Take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Living stones. Living stones that are designed by God. Designed by God to do something. As a spiritual house, holy priesthood, offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We now move in 1 Peter chapter 3 to verse 8. Finally. Been a long time getting here, hasn't it? Finally. Now, I want you to know that Peter doesn't really mean finally. He has a couple of chapters to go yet, and we will study what he has to say to us. But he says, finally. And what he is doing is he is finishing up the subject of the will of God. Now, we discovered that subject in chapter 2 and verse 15. And it's in the verse that we have been trying to memorize, right? Let's read the verse together. We'll start with the reference. We'll end with the reference, and you can read or quote the verse in the middle. Here we go. 1 Peter 2.15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. 1 Peter 2.15. Finally. Why? Because life is not fair. Finally. Because we are to live in a family relationship according to God's design. And finally, we are learning to grow in Jesus Christ. And that is all under the umbrella of the will of God for our lives, that by doing good, we can put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. We are a chosen generation, a holy priesthood, a peculiar people, 1 Peter 2.9, that have been designed to offer up those spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And Peter is now putting a bow on this will of God for our lives. When I was young, I always wanted to grow up. I couldn't wait to be 16, get my driver's license. Couldn't wait to be 18 so I could vote. Couldn't wait to get married. I did that when I was 20. Boy, if my kids ever tried to get married when they were 20, they weren't near as mature as Connie and I were. (laughs) Connie was so mature, she got married at 19. Couldn't wait to grow up. But life is quickly passing me by. And I'm learning that growing up isn't all it was cooked up to be. But we all grow up. You know, growing up can be painful. Many times it's marked by trial and error in our lives. And there's no charm school course that gives to us direction so that we can grow up. But Peter is now telling us that we need to grow up. Are you still in 1 Peter chapter 3? Finally, verse 8, all of you, underline that in your Bibles, will you please? All of you. Now that means that none of us are outside of what Peter's going to tell us. This is for everybody. Because each one of us has the responsibility 
of growing, understanding that it is part of our lives. As believers, spiritual growth is not an option. You understand that, don't you? No matter where we are in Christ, spiritual growth is not an option. Progressive sanctification is lifelong growth in our lives. And we must understand that we never stop growing. You see, the reality is, the more we grow, the more godly we become. The more godly we become, the more grace is seen in our lives. And the more grace that's seen in our lives, the more giving we are. And so, spiritual growth, developing the qualities of Christ in our lives, is for everyone, and we must understand that God has this for us. Now, may I ask you, what is your next, what is your next spiritual step? Where are you in your spiritual life? What's your next spiritual step? Growing? Progressive sanctification? Is that taking place in your life? I trust so. Because we need to be less like ourselves and more like the Son of God. Talk a lot about challenged and changed and conformed to the character of Christ. We talk a lot about next spiritual steps. But this is what God has for us under the umbrella of His will for our lives. Now we all grow up. We all grow out. We all grow old. And we need to be growing in Christ. This morning I want to begin by giving us six simple steps. Don't you like that? Simple steps that lead to spiritual growth. And I want to give you the whole outline this morning of this text so that you have it in front of you. We're only going to get to point one today. So here it is. Here's the whole ball of wax as we grow up. Number one, we need to learn to get along in Christ. We're going to spend time on that today. Number two, we need to understand that rejecting, repaying evil for evil. We cannot do that. Number three, we need to offer a blessing. Number four, whoever desires to love life must... We need to understand, let him in our text, and there is a prayer. The eyes of the Lord, the ears of the Lord, and the face of the Lord. Let me read this passage of Scripture for you, and then we'll go back. Verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil. Or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life 
and seek good days. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. We need to learn to grow up. Now, if we're going to do that, we must learn to get along together. Verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind. You know, the world's asking the question, why can't we just get along? I see bumper stickers that say, coexist, and they have all kinds of different religious symbols on them. But the tragedy is, within the body of Christ, sometimes we struggle to get along. Wednesday night, I told folks that in my theology there are two non-negotiables. Just two. Number one, the Bible is the Word of God. Amen? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the child of God may be mature, truly furnished unto all good works. The Bible tells us who God is. The Bible tells us who Christ is. The Bible tells us who we are before Him. And the Bible tells us how we are to live. It's a non-negotiable. The Bible is the Word of God. My second non-negotiable is this. Salvation is by faith alone, grace alone, in Christ alone. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone, that's that's a non-negotiable. It's not of works that I have done, but according to his mercy he saved me. Non-negotiable. Everything else is up for debate. Now, the truth that the Bible is the Word of God covers a lot of things that aren't up for debate. But as I grow and develop, I understand that there's a lot of things that I don't know. There are a lot of questions that I don't have answers to. But I do know this. Wherever I am in my Christian life, I need to be developing the character of Christ. I need to be growing in Christ. There is no one here today who should not be growing in Christ. We read earlier in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. As obedient children, verse 14, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, so also be holy in all your conduct, Since it's written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Anybody reached holiness this morning? Anybody arrived? Anybody at the end of that journey? Not if we're alive, you're right. (laughs) You see my point? None of us are where we ought to be. And so my goal this morning is to encourage you that we can be where we ought. To be. Keep your finger here in 1 Peter chapter 3 and turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. 
2 Peter chapter 1. Are you there? Verse 3. Now, do you remember my first non-negotiable? The Bible is the Word of God. This is Bible. Verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Has God left anything out in your life that you need in order to be like him? It says here he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Amen? So we have everything that we need. It's just a matter, are we developing those qualities in our lives? Are we being like Christ? You know, we could talk about the fruit of the Spirit, could we not? Galatians chapter 5, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith, right? That's growth. That's spiritual growth in our lives. We could talk out of Romans chapter 12 where we have another list of how we are to live out our salvation but here in peter peter helps us develop the qualities so that we might be a loving caring forgiving growing community in christ and that's what it's all about so let's look at it and see where we are what does it take to get along in christ first of all it takes a unity of mind Live in harmony. You see, proper thinking leads to proper living. The idea is mentally walking hand in hand together. Now, if we are here this morning and we know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, we're part of the family. Amen? Which means we all have the same Savior, right? We all have the same truth, right? We all have the whole same spirit who indwells us, right? Can we agree on those things this morning? Can we walk hand in hand together based on those truths today? You see, the problem is we focus on the things that divide us and separate us and that bother us and that rub us and distract us rather than recognizing that God has given to us together the mind of Christ. And we are to walk hand in hand. You know, our minds are very important, aren't they? Peter has told us to prepare our minds for action. Chapter 1, verse 13. And we need to understand what mind we have. Let me just remind you of some truth. Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being made in the likeness of man, he humbled himself and became obedient, obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Did you hear how that verse began in verse 5? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Turn to chapter 4 of 1 Peter, verse 1. 
Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves in the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Same way of thinking. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 says, That ye stand fast in one spirit and one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us to put off the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful us, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And how we do that, that's what Christ has given us a mind for. That's how we learn to live in Christ. Be not conformed to this world, Romans chapter 12, right? But to be transformed by the renewing of your minds that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It all starts with a mindset. And God has given to us the mind of his son, Jesus Christ. And if we will think like Christ, we will then be able to live like Christ. How many of you have seen the WWJD bracelets or hats or ties or shirts or you've seen them? What does WWJD stand for? What would Jesus do? That's a mindset. Because if we don't get it up here, we'll never get it out here. And if we are going to get along in Christ, it begins with a mindset, and that mindset is that we are together in Christ. We've been born again in the family of God. Amen? We've been washed by the Spirit. Amen? We have the Word of God to guide us. Amen? Proper thinking leads to proper living, and the only way to get along in Christ is to have a unity of mind so that we can live in harmony. That's growth. Yesterday, Connie and I went to our daughter's house. Christmas 2015, our family had given to us a picture package for the whole family. You know, a photo shoot. That was Christmas 2016. Daughter-in-law, 15, one of our daughter-in-laws got pregnant. We decided to wait. So yesterday was this Christmas present realized. We went out to our daughter's place, and they live out in the country and have a pond and a number of acres, and most everybody cooperated. Avery didn't. She is eight months, seven months. She, she didn't have the same mindset the rest of us did. She still wanted her binky. Some of you going, yeah, I understand that. You know, the tragedy is some people that are 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years in Christ still want their binky. And you take a picture of the family of God. Tough to get them to cooperate. It starts with the unity of mind. The second quality, sympathy. Have sympathy. 
Now, as we think about sympathy, we need to remember that we are to have this compassion. The Greek word is sympathos. King James, compassion. And this is not feeling sorry for someone. This has the idea of understanding the situation that somebody else is in, recognizing the struggles, realizing the stress. See, what happens in our lives as we try to get along in Christ is we try to solve everybody else's problems. We think we know better. We think that we have it all figured out. And yet, we don't know what anybody else is facing. I don't know what you faced this past week. Some of you face circumstances and situations that are almost incomprehensible. And instead of judging you, I need to try to figure out where you're coming from. What makes you do what you do? Why are you like you are? What caused you to respond that way in your life? What pressures do you have? See, we don't think about that, do we? We just see somebody acting up and figure, ah, they're acting up, they ought to change that. If we are to get along in Christ, we need to have compassion, sympathy, one for the other. Because we all are trying to live out our relationship with, with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And we're all trying to recognize that God has given to us the opportunity to try to understand each other. Can I encourage you this morning that when you don't understand a situation, ask a question instead of making a statement? Come alongside somebody. Put your arms around. Find out what makes them tick. When you're distracted by something, try to understand. Try to recognize that they just may be struggling with something. I was talking with one of our guys this morning. He said, Pastor, I'm in a lot of pain. Been a lot of pain. I'm taking pain medicine. I said to that person, does that pain medicine make you drowsy? I mean, we're going into a church service, right? Good question to ask. Some of you aren't on pain medication, and I'm making you drowsy. <laughs> Understand. That person sitting next to you may just be struggling with something like that, and you don't know. Say, why are they sleeping in church? That's sympathy, one for another. Brotherly love, philos, love as a family. Romans chapter 12 tells us that we are to love one another and we are to outdo our love, showing honor one to the other. 1 John chapter 3 says that we are to love one another just as he commanded us. 
Samuel Corlidge described brotherly love as a sheltering tree that brings comfort, strength, stability, encouragement, and counsel. We need to be that place of refuge for people. They ought to be able to come in our presence and feel safe. Be encouraged. Minister to one another. Jay Kessler, president of Taylor University, said this, I hope at my funeral there will be at least, at least eight friends who will come without checking their watches. You know, sometimes I get distracted up here. You ought to see y'all from my perspective. It's interesting. Now, I'd much rather be seen than viewed. I hope that some of you will come to my viewing so that Connie doesn't get lonely. But folks, we are here in the presence of God. Amen? It's not about me. It's not about what's going on up here. It's about who he is. And if we're going to get along, we need to love each other as a family loves each other. I told you that yesterday Avery did not cooperate much. She had her own agenda. But you know what? I love that little girl. Seven, eight months old, I love that. I love to hold her until I feel something wet on my pants and then she can go back to mom. Do you love to be around the people of God? You like to be with the family? I told the worship team this morning, so good to see them. I hadn't seen most of them in a week. Looking forward to seeing them. That's the family. And Peter says that we ought to be growing in brotherly love as a family. We need to have a tender heart. King James' word is pitiful. We need to have compassion in action. Now, the difference between sympathy and a tender heart is sympathy understands. A tender heart acts. Be kind one to another, Ephesians 4.32. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. This morning I walked in here and, where's Samuel? Samuel, where are you? Samuel was playing the piano and I really enjoyed that. I said, Samuel, come here a minute. We sat down right here where Eunice is sitting with the kids. I said, Samuel, you don't even know this, but I need to ask your forgiveness. I did and he said, I forgive you. You didn't even know about it, did you? Go like this. Thank you, Samuel. 
It's action, doing something. And you and I need to be tender-hearted. You remember when Jesus was moved with compassion, what he did? Matthew chapter 20 tells us that he was moved with compassion, he healed the blind. Mark chapter 1 tells us that he was healed with compassion, he healed the leper. Mark chapter 8 says that he was moved with compassion and he fed the 4,000. And in Matthew chapter 9 it says that he was moved with compassion when he saw the multitudes. Multitudes were like sheep without a shepherd and he said, pray the Lord of the harvest. He said, do something. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers into his harvest. Do so. That's what this tenderhearted is all about. And it's all part of our lives. Tenderheartedness. And then he says, have a humble mind. Do you notice how we've almost come full circle here? He started with unity of mind, and now he says, have a humble mind. If you think you're humble, you're probably not. Because it's an internal attitude. And we live in a day and age in which humility is not something that is promoted. How many of you have taken selfies? And posted them to your Facebook page. Look what I'm doing. And yet, if we are to get along in Christ, we have to recognize it's not about us. It's about who He is. Turn over to chapter 5 of 1 Peter, will you please? Verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Humble mind. You see, the reality of all of this is that we are to live together in harmony. When I was a kid, I took piano lessons. I had seven years of piano. My parents wasted a whole lot of money on my piano. hear that well thank you very much now Cassie I should have had you do this because she's going to do it a whole lot better than I I mean that's one note stuff right piano 
Now, the reality is, we can be one-note players or we can put a little harmony in our lives. And only as we work together and put some harmony in our lives and there may be a little dissidence occasionally, can we know what it is? I'm just stepping all over everything in here. To get along in Christ. Growth. Progressive sanctification. Necessary for all of us. What's your next spiritual step? Where are you in this progression of spiritual growth? One more passage of Scripture. Second Peter again. Second Peter chapter 1. Verse 5. For this very reason, now you need to stop there and find out what this very reason is. This very reason is that he's given us to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We're partakers of the divine nature. For this very reason, Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Do you see progress? Do you see a step that we are to take so that we can get along? Verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, growing... They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Anybody want to be ineffective? Anybody want to be unfruitful? These qualities keep us from being ineffective, being unfruitful. Verse 9. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, and every time there's a therefore, you see what it's? Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never 